Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Field and Garden Podcast. It's your host and friend, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and thank you guys so much. I know that you have a lot of choices, and I always appreciate it when you hit the play button on Field and Garden Podcast. So friends, today I am talking with someone that has become a longtime friend, and I have I was actually a fangirl of her back when we first met, um, and it is Ellen Frost. Hi, Ellen. Hi, everyone. Um, and so we are going to be talking to Ellen because I want to introduce to everybody that um might not even know about what she does and how she does it because her business model is amazing. It's what we all dream of, I think, is if you're thinking about a flower shop or being a designer or a florist. Um, So today we're talking about how her business name is Local Color Flowers, located in Baltimore, and we'll talk more about all that in just a minute. But today we're talking how Local Color Flowers, um, the business is evolving. Um, And I'm doing a lot of this kind of talking to folks, people, because I want everybody to understand for businesses to succeed, they're constantly evolving, right, Ellen? Constantly. Oh, my goodness. That is not even just, you know, obviously COVID has made us change a lot more than we maybe planned on. But even without COVID, Every year we are making changes to improve the business, improve our service, make our lives easier, less stressful. You know, we have lots of goals in those changes. So yes, change is constant in business. Yeah, I mean, totally agree with that. And, you know, my sister and niece who have kind of like been with me for more than, I mean, for a long, long time in business, Uh um, they used to say to me, oh my gosh, now what? It's like, because, but I I had to really, and that's kind of why I'm talking about this now, because I realized that the average person thinks if you're changing, then something must be wrong with the way you're doing it. Not at all. Right. I mean, we're living and learning and getting more wisdom and more experience. And I mean, I'm doing things today. Now, if you'd have told me 15 years ago, I'd have said, are you crazy? Right. So that's really great. So Ellen, um, is the owner of a design studio in Baltimore. Design studio, in my mind, is a place that's not the classic brick and mortar flower shop that has, you know, open hours where people are walking in and out. Um, And she is going to share with us about her business model. But basically, a design studio is where Back in the beginning, the focus was to do events, but yet they weren't open to the public. But here's the trailblazer part of her business model is that Ellen got into this game doing it only using locally sourced flowers that were grown within 100 miles of her Baltimore, Maryland studio. So um, I just have to tell you very briefly how Ellen and I met. Um, So Ellen was actually a speaker at an ASCFG, Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, conference. Gosh, Ellen, it must have been what, 12 12 12 years ago? years ago, yeah. Really early on. Yeah, and so she was one of the breakout classes. And, um, you know, I wasn't a florist and I wasn't a designer and I really had no interest there, but there wasn't another 
ongoing class that mm -hmm. kind of made me want to go there. So I thought, well, I'll go listen to what this gal has to say. And I sat in the back of the room listening to her talk about this model of using local, only using local flowers for these events she was doing. And you know what I remember the most, Ellen, you talking about? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> it's scary when people say that to me. Oh, it's great. Though. It was way back then, and I'm pretty sure you don't do this anymore. Sure. Way back then, that one of the kind of things that was kind of a little, you know, nichey thing that you would do mm -hmm. is that you guys would compost the oh, flowers yeah. from events. Because, you know, you have to go back and take all that mess down, right? After an event. Yes. Instead of just trashing them, which is typically what happens sure. for most people, is that you all would bring it back and make compost, and then you mailed the compost to the couple a year later for their first anniversary. Do you remember we, that? We did that for several years until we had too many weddings that we could not really handle it anymore. We were home composting. We did it right in my yard. <laughs> and we did package up little bags of compost for everyone. But even back then, we were trying really hard to connect the customer with where the flowers came from. We always wanted them connected to this is not just, you know, a product that you buy on Amazon or, you know, like at Home right. Depot. We always wanted to connect them to these are local flowers. They were grown by local people. They're composted by local people. And you too can start your own flower garden with compost from your wedding flowers. That is so awesome. So that began my, I mean, I sat in the back. Y'all know this doesn't happen often. A little speechless <laughs> for a moment, actually. And that began my interest in Ellen. Mm -hmm. And then we, I mean, I truly became just such a fan. That began our relationship. So Ellen, I want to just talk about, want you to talk about um, this business model for those folks that just don't even don't know you, don't know anything sure. about you. Um, just kind of tell us about what it is that you do. Yep. So we are a floral design studio. And right now I'd say we do most things regular florists do. Um, but we really started just doing weddings. So we started out um, providing local flowers to people that were getting married. Because when we began, there was no real, and so this was 15 years ago, there was not a lot of access to regular people who were getting married who wanted local flowers. You could either go to the farmer's market the morning of your wedding, which is bonkers, and I would not suggest that as an option. For sure. Um, <laughs> or, you know, you were like digging around trying to find a farmer that who would, would deal directly with you as a bride or a groom. Um, and we really began as trying to be a bridge between local farmers who had a lot of flowers and local wedding customers who wanted um, either local flowers or a smaller footprint for their wedding. Um, and that's how it began. And for years, we only did weddings. Um, I had a job, like a regular job, and we did this just on the weekends. Um, and after a few years, I really thought like, this is something I want to continue to do like as a full-time job. And so it was that time we expanded, we bought a building, which is the building that we're in right now. And we started to offer more of those traditional florist things, 
like daily deliveries, special events, um, floral design classes, all of those things. But the difference was that we were using only locally sourced flowers. And then really, once we had the space, that really allowed us to think creatively about ways to connect with our community, which was always that was the impetus for everything we do was connecting with our community. So that space and the tool of local flowers really allowed us to be creative in thinking about all of these other crazy things that we could do at the shop. We could have Dahlia Day where we just display every Dahlia that every farmer in a hundred miles grows and it's free and you can just come in and talk to us and talk to the farmers and learn about Dahlias. We started a book club, we started a flower club, like all kinds of things that just um, allowed us to use local flowers as a way to connect with our community. So definitely not a traditional florist um, in most senses, um, but still you know, using local flowers to, to connect with our people. That is so great, Ellen. I hadn't heard about Dahlia Days before, as much as oh, we yeah. talk. We do a tulip day, a peony day, dahlia day. Yeah, it's so fun and it's hilarious because no growers know the names of anything they grow. So like Bob <laughs> Willem will just show up and say, this is peony pink Bob or Bob's coral peony. You know, like he just names them himself. Um, but it is really fun and it's just a way for us to help educate people about local flowers, about the farmers who grew them, about seasonality, um, about all those things that that we know about that we want to share with people. All right. So that is so awesome. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But the other part of this. Um, so I know that there's probably people listening and especially let's just say you're a flower shop owner sure. and this is kind of like news to you. Right. And you're, they're thinking to themselves, but there aren't any farmers around me. And so I want you to hit on like how you connected. And then I want you to share about the amazing gift that you and Eric shared by cultivating farmers. Yeah. Um, and tell us, it gives me goosebumps every time I say that. So tell us about that. So when we started, we bought from three farmers and they were farmers who were field farmers. You know, they had stuff starting in May and they ended at frost in October. And that was great for us because like I said, we're doing this part-time. It made sense to work during those months. Um, but as we continued to grow, we needed to expand um, sort of our farm connections. Um, and so what we started to do was reach out to farmers that we knew and said, <clears throat> what farmers do you know? Like, we don't know where to find farmers. I don't, I mean, I knew we have been members of the ASCFG since the beginning of our, since 15 years ago. And so we knew the growers that were sort of involved in the ASCFG, but we didn't, we knew there had to be other farmers out there, but we didn't know how to find them. So we started asking our farmer friends, okay, who do you know who's a flower farmer in this region? Are they, you know, where are they located? And one of the big keys for us in the beginning was that John McEwen um, from Locust Point Flowers, who was one of our first growers, invited us to a meeting of the Maryland Cut Flower Growers Association. And I was like, 
what is that? What is that group? I've never heard of it. Like, how would you hear of it as a florist or as like a regular person? You would never, this is a very small niche group of flower farmers in Maryland and Virginia. And so when I went there, I was like, I, I, John will tell you, I literally started crying after the meeting because I was like, oh my God, there was 50 farmers in there. Oh my goodness. This makes this possible for us. I don't even know these people, but I know that this is possible. I know that year round work as a florist sourcing local is possible. And I just couldn't believe it. It was like the gift, like that John gave us in inviting us to that meeting was amazing. And so I, as a, as a lay person, as a florist, I would have said 15 years ago, there's no farmers around me. I don't know any flower farmers. Um, And in some cases, there may not be flower farmers that close to you. But I will tell you, there are communities of flower farmers throughout the country that you may just not know about. And they are beginning to organize, which is great, because I think that will help with visibility. But as a florist, if you are looking for a farmer in your area, I'm guessing that they are out there and you just may have to do a little bit more digging um, to find them. And so we found lots of growers that way. And for years we had you know, plenty of growers and it wasn't really until we started thinking about winter. How do we have this be a year round business? So now we have lots of growers during the season, but to continue to not have a regular job and to only have this be our job, we really needed to find people who could supply us with flowers through the winter so that we could continue doing the things that we did in the winter. Um, and so we we used the same technique. Who do you know? How can I find them? How can I connect with them? That's how we found Hendrix in Lidditz and they uh, have been our like main winter grower for years now. Um, but we did sort of come to like a dead end at some point where we're like, okay, well, we've, we've maxed out everybody we know that can connect us to winter growers. What else are we going to do? So part of that was, okay, well, maybe we can start to ask people to winter grow or to, to um, encourage them to think about winter growing. And we did this during the season with people, but winter was so much more um, challenging. Like it was easy to talk to a vegetable farmer who who grew in the season and said, well, would you consider growing some flowers too? Because that's not such a big jump, right? It's not a big jump to put another row in and try some zinnias or try some larkspur. Um, But when you're talking about winter growing, that's like a whole nother thing that's structures, that's, you know, risk, that's all kinds of things. And so we really started slowly reaching out to growers. Um, We did this with Butterbee Farm. We did it with Clear Ridge Nursery. Um, We did it with some others, but really start to say, there's a market for local flowers in the winter. We want local flowers in the winter. We think that you not only are great growers, but you have the infrastructure that could make it happen. So how can we work together um, to make that happen? And one of the big sort of incentives was us saying, we'll buy it all. We'll buy everything you have in the winter. So when you start, there's no risk of you having to market to other people. We'll buy it all. So that way there's less risk for the farmer 
because they can say, okay, well, yes, I have to build a structure, which is huge. Yes, I have to pay for heat, but you're telling me you're willing to buy what I have at winter prices. That makes it easier for me. And now when you're four years in, five years in, you know, like at Butterbee, this is maybe her fourth or fifth year growing in the winter. And there's so much demand now. There is so much pent up demand that there is no, I would love if I was the only person she sold to, but there are, there's so much demand for winter product now that, I mean, it's amazing. It is proving to people in this region that winter growing is possible, which I think helps to encourage other people to try it. So you're in Baltimore, Maryland. I just want to say that you're in Maryland. Yep, yeah, Baltimore, Maryland, in the city, we're probably like 7B, but our growers really um, range from about 6B to 7B in the regions that we buy from. Um, so, you know, obviously, if you're in, I don't know, like Montana, there's going to be a different situation. Heating a greenhouse is going to be much more difficult. However, I always tell people like our idea, I mean, it's great that we have such a moderate climate here and we can buy from people during the winter um but it's always for us our goal is always as close to home as possible for as much of the year as we can and so like if you're in a place like montana where you can only really buy local in the summer great but that doesn't mean that you can't buy you know from california in the winter like that's south carolina or ohio yes yes there are places that are closer to you than Kenya or Ecuador. Um, there are farmers that are trying to sell flowers um, during that time that you can reach out to. So it doesn't have to be hyper-local all the time. It's just for us as close to home as possible as much as we can. That's just a great point. Um, everything, in, I mean, I'm I'm not a purist at anything I do because mm-hmm. you know, who can be, right? Yeah. I mean, and to have that open mind and say, all right, I reach in my little pool and if I can't get there, then I start, you know, right. expanding the bubble. And there are so many growers now mm-hmm. that are shipping within oh, the yeah. United States um, to wholesale. I mean, as well as retail, but that are doing wholesale. I know that Sunny Meadows does it. I know that I think I'm not sure if Daniel at Petal Pickers does wholesale also, right. but you know, there are options beyond yeah. that, at least to help you um, get your foot in the door. So, you know, you cultivating and working with the growers is just such a gift. I mean, that really is such a great example that you have done for other florists um, and designers to actually step out. So, um I want to say before we move into the other, I want to talk about the diversity of the, your design studio about you mentioned a, a few little fun event kind of things that sure. you guys do, but I want to talk more about the bones of that. But I want to say to people that your model, what you are doing, not your model, what sure. y'all are doing and has evolved is what I think most people dream and think a flat open in a florist brick and mortar shop is about. You know, the, the fun stuff, the storybook yeah. stuff. I am not implying that you do not work your butt off and it is hard sure. work and there's ups and downs, but 
doing, I mean, it's like as a flower farmer, for me, the hard work is paid off when I used to back my truck into a flower shop and yeah. for, you know, for 15 years, they ran out the back doors. Like I have, they've never seen me before, <laughs> you know, because they were so excited about what was in the truck. Um, you know, you have to have some little at a girl, you know, make you feel really good about what you're doing right. and having these functions that have led you, because I know that you came from a community building background before yeah. you dove into this, um, that just embraces your community. So I want you to talk about um, some of this community building. I know that you guys do workshops, you do dried wreaths. I want to hear about the battle. Um, I know <laughs> that you have like a little open market on Saturday mornings. Yep. Um, and all of this is what floated your business through two years of shutdown with no events at, for COVID. Um, so we want to hear about all these wonderful things that um, you have built into your business. Yeah. So thinking about like what you said earlier about how businesses are constantly changing. Um, we, after maybe 10 years of doing you know, a hundred weddings a year, um, mm. thought, you know what? It's too much. <laughs> That's too <laughs> many weddings. Um, we still wanted to do weddings. Um, but what we were finding is that the, like the community building stuff that we were doing was taking a second sort of a backseat to the weddings because weddings were so totally like, they take over your life. They just completely, you have to spend so much time and energy and attention on weddings. So we knew we still wanted to do that, but we wanted to reduce those and increase what we call um, the stuff in the shop. So we wanted really more people in the shop, more things in the shop, more events in the shop. Um, and so about five years ago, we really said, okay, we are going to flip it. We're, we're tipping the scale the other way. Weddings are going to be a little less. And all of those other things that we love doing and want to do are going to rise to the top. And so those things, you know, were floral design classes. And when I say floral design classes, um, we really cater to um, regular people classes. So this is not florist to florist for the most part. Right. While we do do some of that, the most of our classes are for regular people who get a bucket of flowers and want to know what to do with it. They want to have some basic design skills. They want to know basic sustainable practices. Um, so they're for our people. They're for people in our neighborhood to come and learn floral design. Um, we also do, right, we're open. We, we always say, people always say to us, aren't you the flower shop that's never open? We say, oh, no, we're open eight hours a week. Um, so we're open on Saturday mornings from eight to noon. And um, if you can picture, we are in like a garage, like a two-door garage studio. And we open up our garage doors. And inside, we have flowers available by the stem. So everything is sort of displayed for you to pick your stems. Um, there's designers there that can help talk to you about the flowers, about um, who grew them. And really, Saturday morning is 
like the day to come over. You can bring your dogs and your kids and you can bring your breakfast and we have a couch and it's just like a lovely morning. The farmer's market is down the street. So there's lots of people on the street anyways. Um, so we're open on Saturdays. We're also open Wednesday nights. I mean, this is like the oddest schedule. And I will just tell you, um, for those people who think I have to have a traditional nine to five, Monday to Friday, open hours, or people are not going to come here. Um, I can tell you, we are pushing the limits on weird schedules and people still come. So we're open Saturday, eight to noon and Wednesday from three to seven. And Wednesday is called Floral Happy Hour. It used to be called Open Studio, but it has been rebranded as Floral Happy Hour. And it's a similar thing, but you can bring snacks and drinks and wine and your friends and you can just, there's no cost to come. You just pay for the flowers that you use. And you just come and make your own arrangement. We have vases, we have clippers, we have water, we have instruction, we have all those things. But it's really just a time for you to have like a no pressure experience with flowers. Because, you know, sometimes in a class, people might feel like, oh, I've got to do exactly yeah. what the teacher said, or I have to do it in the style that the teacher likes or whatever. This is, if you want to come and bring a bud vase, and put two stems in it, you can do it. If you want to bring a giant bowl and make it and take it apart and make it again and practice for four hours, you can do that. Um, it's really just a way to help people get comfortable with flowers. And a byproduct of that is that you meet the same people that come to Open Studio all the time. And those people become friends and then they come together. And it's really just like a fantastic community building experience through flowers. Um, so, you know, so that means mm -hmm. so my, my wheels are turning out. <laughs> so that means that somebody could just show up and not even do flowers and just sure. kind of be in the presence totally. because that is a, people are so hard. Jenny Love and I were just talking about this on a mm -hmm. podcast. People, she used the word rabid. People are rabid for the experience. I mean, put aside mm -hmm. the two years of isolation we've all been in, sure. right? But that's one of the things I find about being an urban farmer, being in the middle of the city is people just want to come walk around the farm. They just yeah. want to be in the, so I mean, I can see people coming to that and just looking at the flowers and learning about the flowers and hearing about the flowers. And, you know, and then ultimately we know they're going to, it's like looking at, nobody goes and looks at puppies. <laughs> you come home with a puppy. Well, that's pretty right. much the same concept with flowers, right? Yeah. Um, so that is so totally awesome. And what yeah. I want to lead you to now is this amazing community that you've built um, on March 13th of 2000 and was it 20 or 19 20. I'm 20 yep when the world stopped yeah. I watched my floral friends I have goosebumps again that do events I mean y'all were all pasty I mean it was horrible for a week of nobody really bad week because oh. what it, what happened you know like when I think back on it now it's so crazy because it was like in an instant we, because in the beginning they were like, okay, we're going to be shut down, whatever. We didn't even know what that meant. Right. And we were thinking, okay, a week, two weeks, right. you know, we'll be back to normal. I mean, we were saying to people on Saturday, see in a couple of weeks, you know, everything will be, you know, back to normal. 
And we realized pretty quickly that what was happening was right. Every event that we had canceled, um, every um, in-person class got canceled. We closed Saturdays, we closed Wednesdays. And because we had focused our attention on these things, that was the bulk of our job. We didn't do single order deliveries except for like a few a week. We only had like three subscriptions at that time. Um, and what we found out pretty quickly was the only thing that we were allowed to do, you know, with the shutdowns was contactless deliveries to people's homes. At the In the beginning, they weren't even allowed to pick up from us. So contact deliveries to people's homes, that was pretty much it. So we went from having this super diverse, super, um, you know, just very alive business to saying, okay, all we are allowed to do is make things for you and leave them at your door. And if that's what we can do, that's what we're going to do. And so we told people, okay, for however long this is, this is the new thing we're going to offer daily deliveries and subscriptions. And if you are interested in that, great. Um, there is no way I could have predicted the, um, it's not even just support. It was like the actual like love that our community showed us and not, not just for the first month, not just for the two months till today. We are now doing about 85, we have about 85 subscribers, which is completely bonkers to me. Um, we do, you know, single order deliveries, probably 50 a week in addition to our subscribers. The business has completely evolved and there is no way we could have continued to do this without the people who continue to buy flowers every week for two years. And these are not people... These are not rich people. Not these well fixed not, folks. Yeah. Right. These are not people who said, oh, I've got a lot of extra income. I guess I'm going to treat myself to flowers every week. These are people who said, this is a business I love. These are people I care about. This is a service that I want to see after the pandemic. And I am going to commit to doing what I can to make that happen. And it was and still is miraculous to me. It is, it is, uh, and there is no way that that would have happened if we had not been the type of business we were before the pandemic. If people, if we were just a business that you ordered a, a, a flower arrangement online and somebody delivered it and that was it, we would not have had the, that same support. The, the support was because People knew us, they spent time with us, they learned from us, they were part of our flower family. And without that, we would not, no way we would have survived these last two years. No way. And, you know, and of course the pandemic is something that nobody could ever have forecasted, but there's also, put a pandemic aside, sure. there are so many little speed bumps that come in business. I mean, here where I am, you know, we have some big major employers like the shipyard, yep. you know, when the shipyard is 
going to have layoffs. You know, there's, there's all these ripples that can happen to a business that when you, it's different, the difference between having a community and just having customers is when the speed bumps come, somebody else has your back. Totally. the way I feel. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the way that I really, really feel about that. And I think that your business model that you have obviously proven to be successful, you kept your people working through the pandemic, you still have your business two years later, um, and your growers had somewhere to sell their flour. I mean, it's a trickle down, right? And those were really the, those were really the things that when the pandemic hit that first week, this is what our team said that what's important to us is to continue to buy flowers from the growers because they depended on us um, to continue to have the team in place because they depended on us and to provide flowers to our flower people. Those were the three things that we were committed to and that we, by all costs, tried to make those things happen. And, you know, that's what we did. And it worked. Yep. And, and that it worked. worked. Yep. You know, um, so tell me this, Ellen, where do you see, tell me what, where you're moving into, what do you see the future of the next five years for local color flowers? Yeah. I mean, do you have any big plans brewing for, I um, mean, besides, you know, Ellen does do an online course with us, which I'll ask her to, to wrap this up with sure. that. Um, but what else do you see for your local color flowers? Yeah, I think that we are going to focus um, a lot more of our attention on small, um, close to home weddings, trying to reduce some stress and risk as we get older, um, more things in the shop. So really doubling down on floral design classes, our Wednesday and Saturdays, and really trying to find creative new ways to involve our community Um in all the ways that that they want to be involved. Um, And of course, you know, we are thinking of more content creation um, possibilities, more online classes, um, you know, more ways to spread the word about local flowers um, to, to people who are interested and are open to that. Yes. Pretty awesome. So Ellen, um, so Ellen, has a big school with us. And when I say that, I mean, we we offer two types of online courses here from the Gardener's Workshop. There are what are called on-demand courses. Those are courses that you can purchase year round. You know, you buy them and you can immediately have access to them. But because kind of our niche is flower-based business courses, whether you want to become a flower farmer or scale your flower farming business, learn how to grow in hoop houses, um, or become a farmer florist. Yeah, Ellen's course is growing your business with local flower sourcing, which is targeted um, at those people that want to do what she's doing. You know, Um, you know, I personally feel like her course is so valuable to flower farmers because you want to know, it's just like how the florists don't know about growers. We don't know much about florists and you always want to know everything you, you want to be an expert, as I know that's one of the things you really push in your course, Mm -hmm. um, is how that just carries your business through and through. So Ellen's school only enrolls once a year, like the rest of them, it's in November and it runs in January and February. Um, And I will put all the links 
um, of how you can connect with Ellen and to her course so you can get on her wait list. Tell us about your course and what someone who might be thinking, gosh, I want to do what she does. <laughs> the course was so much fun to create and really is sort of encapsulates all of the things that we have learned about building a business with local flowers over these past 15 years. And so like in one way, it's terrific for people who are either thinking about doing flowers locally or people who are florists who are thinking, maybe I want to switch. Maybe I want to like veer off of the, the, the beaten path and go into this local flower thing. What it does is I think give a lot of lessons and a lot of how to's so that you don't have to like make the same mistakes that we made. Um, we can sort of tell you how we did it. And this isn't like a class that's like do exactly what we do, but it does give you the tools to understand the flower industry, um, understand your why for doing local flowers, um, helps you to build strong, lasting relationships with growers and helps you market local flowers, which is a little bit different than marketing traditionally sourced flowers and how to build the kind of community that we've built here in Baltimore. So it's really, I think, a comprehensive class. It's, I mean, for me, I think it's a really um, excellent investment in your sort of future of, of local flower sourcing. Um, yeah, I love it. I think it's a great, it's a great class. And Ellen, it also really takes you by the hand and shares how to buy local flowers because that's Absolutely. a really different process, right? Yeah, so and it is one of the things that I think people are most afraid of, right? The, the yeah. logistics. And we spend two whole classes on the logistics of getting local flowers. Yeah, um, so just to, again, so I'm going to put the um, links down below. And if you want to sign up to get on Ellen's wait list, what that means simply is that you will be on our email list for people that are interested in her course. So any resources that she sends out to her list to kind of show them a little taste of what her teaching is like, um, you would get that. And then we'll, of course, notify you when her course goes on sale in November. Um, and then, of course, the class doesn't start till January and goes through February. Um, and if you want to learn more about it, you can go over to the gardenersworkshop.com and there's an online course area and go to the um, business schools and you will see Ellen there. Um, so Ellen, and we're also tell people how they can connect with you. And you actually have a special hashtag um, over on or a, a, is it not, it's not a hashtag. What do it, we call it? We, yeah, it's a hashtag. And we also have another Instagram. There um, you go. Feed. Tell us about that, how people can connect. Yep. So you can find me at Local Color Flowers on Instagram or on Facebook. You can check out our website, which has a lot of information about the business at locoflow.com. That's L-O-C-O-F-L-O.com. And then we also started um, a separate Instagram feed called Florist Buying Local. We use both that hashtag Florist Buying Local and have a specific site where we try to encourage people to just talk about local sourcing. It's a place for designers to learn about local sourcing. Um, so you can check us out there too. And don't you agree that all the flower farmers listening to this, it is up to us to share, particularly <clears throat> the florist buying local page and hashtag, 
with our customers, they don't know what they don't know and what they're missing. And Absolutely. so Ellen is really good about posting these gorgeous images of what she's buying in and it'll just give them a glimmer of what this world is about. So really, I think florist buying local, the promotion of that is really up to the growers. Y'all, mm -hmm. Ellen teaches our buyers to buy more from us. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of like, a great thing for you to share with them. So Ellen, thank you so much for joining me here today. And yeah, thanks for having share. me. You're so welcome. And just to share another peek at this industry from yet another point of view, which um, is so very, very exciting. So friends, you can find everything over at thegardenersworkshop.com, her course, um, and then check out the show notes if you want to connect with Ellen. Ciao, folks.